Welcome to episode one of Give Me Some Truth, the research-based Beatles podcast unraveling the fact from the fiction in the history of the greatest little band from Liverpool. My name is Obadiah, and I am your host. For this first episode, I want to address an often incorrectly told story that took place in 1968 as the Beatles were recording their self-titled Double Album, also known as The White Album. The group had convened at EMI Studios on Abbey Road on the 30th of May 1968 to begin sessions with John Lennon's song, Revolution. The songwriters in the group had come back from their recent trip to India overflowing with new songs. However, the sessions began slowly in June, with interruptions caused by George Harrison and Ringo Starr, and then Paul McCartney, taking independent trips to California. Generally speaking, the sessions through June and July were productive, and for the first time included songs written by all four members of the group. Yet, although the album was progressing, the sessions were not without tensions. On the 16th of July, Jeff Emmerich, the Beatles' chief sound engineer since 1966's Revolver, quit. Another EMI employee, Ken Scott, stepped up to fill the engineered chair for the rest of the album. By the middle of August, the Beatles had recorded half of the songs that would end up on the album. Both sides of their next single, Hey Jude, Backed with Revolution, and two tracks that would not be included on the album, George's Not Guilty and John's What's the New Mary Jane. It was at this time, as work began on the next track, back in the USSR, that Ringo decided he had had enough and left the group. He was not the first Beatle to walk out of a session. Paul famously walked out of the revolver session for She Said, She Said on the 21st of June, 1966, but he was the first Beatle to quit. This is the story I want to focus on in this episode. The most famous version of this story comes directly from the horse's mouth, or should I say, the drummer's mouth. In the Beatles anthology, Ringo recalled this event as follows. To get the complete quote, I have made a composite of Ringo's audio from the anthology documentary and my own reading from the anthology book. I must have had moments of turmoil because I left the group for a while that summer. I left because I, I felt, felt two things. things. I felt I wasn't playing great, and the other three were really happy and I was an outsider. And so, you know, I came to this decision, fuck it, I'm leaving. And so I went to see John, who was living in my apartment in Montague Square. I knocked on the door and I said, uh, you know, hi, we went in. I said, I'm leaving the group because, you know, I feel like, you know, unloved and out of it. and I'm not playing well and you three are really close. <laughs> and he said, I thought it was you three. <laughs> so, okay. And then I went over to Paul's and knocked on his door. So, uh, I said the same thing. I said, you know, I'm leaving the band. I, I feel, you know, you three guys are really close and I'm out of it. And he says, I thought it was you three. <laughs> I didn't even bother going to George then. I said, I'm going on holiday. I took the kids and we went to Sardinia. I wrote Octopus's Garden in Sardinia. 
Peter Sellers had lent us his yacht, and we went out for the day. I had a rest, and the holiday was great. You know, and I knew we were just in a messed up stage, all of us. Uh, then, you know, it wasn't just me, it was the whole thing was going down. I had definitely left, I couldn't take it anymore. There was no magic, and the relationships were terrible. I'd come to a bad spot in life. It could have been paranoia, but I just didn't feel good. I felt like an outsider. But then I realized that we were all feeling like outsiders, and it just needed me to go around knocking to bring it to a head. And I came back and went in the studio, and George had had it decked out with flowers. It's just flowers everywhere, and John had sent me telegrams saying, you're the best rock drummer, come on home. <laughs> and, uh, and I just felt good about myself again, and we'd, you know, we'd got through that little crisis, and uh, it was great. And then, then the White Album really took off, and uh, like Year Blues, you know, the track Year Blues was great. We all left the studio and went to a little, a little room, so there's no separation. And there was lots of group activity going down. It was, I loved the White Album. This has become one of Ringo's favorite stories, which he continues to tell to this day. And why not? It's a great anecdote. As recently as February 2022, Ringo told the same version of events on Jimmy Kimmel Live. How did the idea of a gardening octopus or an octopus well, being down there? Well, it came because on the White Album, I left the band. Uh-huh. And I left the band because I didn't think I was being part of it and I was playing great. And, you know, I always was that guy. I'd go, I went and knocked at John's door. And I said, man, you know, I feel you three are so close, you know, and I'm out of it. And he goes, I thought it was you three. And then I went to Paul's and I said, uh, hi, man, yeah, you know, I've got to tell you, I feel like I'm, you know, not part of the band and I'm not playing good. And he said, you know, it's you three are really close. He says, I thought it was you three. <laughs> so, so I uh, flew to Sardinia. I thought, I'm getting out of here. I went to Sardinia and you know, I worked with Peter Sellers, and his boat was there. Uh-huh. And so he lent us his boat to that, t in those days, uh, Maureen and, my, and two of my kids. But as great as the story is, it's not exactly true. As an aside, I don't blame Ringo for getting the facts wrong. With an extraordinary life like his, he cannot be expected to remember all the details. What Ringo has done in this case is conflate two memories that occurred two months apart in 1968. The first memory is of walking out of sessions for the White Album, and the second memory is of taking his family on holiday in Sardinia at the end of making the album. So how do I know that this story is untrue? Let's start with Ringo's trip to Sardinia. In the November 1968 issue of the Beatles Book Monthly fan magazine, right at the back in the Beatles news section, it was reported that, and I quote, on the morning of Monday, October 14th, Ringo left London for a two-week family holiday in Sardinia. With him went Maureen, her mother Florence, their sons Zach and Jason, plus their nanny Stella, end quote. Several photographs exist from this day showing Ringo and company leaving their chartered airplane at Olbia Airport on the Costa Smeralda. Although there was still work to be done finishing the mixes and sequencing of the new double album, 
both Ringo and George left John and Paul to finish it off. Ringo went on holiday, while George, in the role of producer, flew to Los Angeles to complete recording of Apple artist Jackie Lomax's album, Is This What You Want? The next piece of evidence we have is a Porto Servo postcard that survives in Maureen's handwriting sent to the Starkey's London chauffeur, Alan Herring, on the 19th of October. This reads simply, It's great. Love Maureen, Richie, and children. This postcard was auctioned by Sotheby's London in December 2019 as part of Herring's personal collection. The date of this postcard places it five days after Ringo flew to Sardinia. Makes sense. The third piece of evidence is dated two days later than the postcard on the 21st of October, 1968. The Starkeys received an urgent telegram from Peter Sellers in Porto Servo, which read, Dear Ringo and Maureen, my boat is very near you at Elba, but the sea is so bad he cannot leave until calms down, which could be either today or tomorrow, or the next day. Stop. At any rate, it should arrive soon. Stop. Lots of love, Peter. This telegram was sold by Liverpool Beatles Auction in June 2011. So clearly the Sardinia trip occurred in October 1968 after sessions for the White Album and not in August. But then what happened in August? It's unanimously agreed by all involved members that Paul played drums on Back in the USSR. So it's therefore understood that Ringo left the group as recording began for this song on the 22nd of August. In Barry Miles' biography of Paul McCartney, titled Many Years From Now, He suggests that at the start of the session, during rehearsals for the song, Ringo got upset by Paul dictating his part to him, and this was the final straw that led to his exit. Ken Scott remembers Ringo being uptight about something, although he didn't know what at the time. The next thing I was told was that he'd quit the band, but work continued, recalled Scott. Back in the USSR was completed over two days. Thursday the 22nd, and Friday the 23rd of August, and then the group took the weekend off. As sessions resumed the following week, it seems that, without Ringo, no significant work was undertaken. On Monday the 26th of August, a new mono copy of Revolution 9 was created from the Stereo Master, improving on the previous attempt made on the 20th of August. The next day, Tuesday the 27th of August, tape copies were made of Obladi Oblada, Blackbird, Not Guilty, and Revolution 9 in an hour-and-a-half session in the Studio 2 control room. As revealed in Axel Corinth and Ed Dykeman's brilliant book series, A is for Apple, George produced a session for Jackie Lomax's song, You've Got Me Thinking, later this same day. Who played drums on this session? Ringo Starr. Three days later, on the 30th of August, Ringo, Maureen, Paul, and George Martin attended the wedding ceremony of their close friend, Neil Aspinall, to Susan Ornstein at the Chelsea Register office with a surprise lunch afterward at the Club de la Artusa on the King's Road. 
As the October 1968 Beatles Book Monthly reported, Ringo was one of the busiest photographers at the wedding. So he had to have been around at this time. Ringo spent the rest of his brief time away from the group at his home, Sunny Heights, where he compiled a sampler collection of the rough mixes of songs already completed for the White Album. Superimposing applause, sound effects, and narration, Ringo gifted this compilation to his friend Peter Sellers sometime later. Ringo would go on to buy Sellers' house Brookfields later in the year and co-starred with him in the film The Magic Christian in 1969. Another aspect of Ringo's recollections about this time has yet to be verified. Ringo says that he returned to the sessions after he received a telegram from the others saying, You're the best rock and roll drummer in the world. Come on home. We love you. While this telegram has yet to surface, we do know that Paul sent Ringo a postcard five months later with a very similar message the day after their Apple Rooftop concert. Postmarked on the 31st of January, 1969, Paul's postcard reads, You are the greatest drummer in the world, really. Perhaps this is another example of Ringo conflating two different memories. Until we see the former telegram, we can't know for sure. There's one other part of Ringo's recollection that we haven't talked about yet. Did you catch it? Let's listen to Ringo tell the story once more, this time to Howard Stern in 2018. You felt when those three guys were all together, they had bonded somehow. That was the White Album. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you walked out of the Beatles. Now, you were I, like, I went, hey, fuck yeah, you guys. I said, I, well, no, I only uh, went out because I did feel like it was, you know, we'd done Pepper and that was fine. And we were trying to be a band again, which I love. Right. And then I'm looking, you know, I'm there in the studio and it's like, I, I don't feel good. I don't feel part of it. So I go and knock on John's door and I say, hey, you know, I just don't feel right. I don't feel that, you know, I'm part of this. You three seem so close. And he goes, I thought it was you three. <laughs> right. So I said, okay, I go and knock on Paul's door and I tell him the same thing. And, you know, I don't feel part of this. I feel you three are so close. And he goes, I thought it was you three. Right. So I said, fuck it, I'm off. Yeah. You is know. that part of the horror of being in a The great part of being in a band is you have your mates and, you know. It's, I love it's being great. in a band. I always have. But the worst is the paranoia and fear. Well, you don't have it every day. And, right. you know, the great thing, you know, then I came back and they were sending faxes to me, come on home. Right. And George at the studio full of flowers. That was great. And, uh... And then we did Yeah Blues in a, a room about eight foot square. And we were like this rock band again. So and so you... we started playing more like a band after the downtime we had on Pepper, you know, putting orchestras on and trumpet players. For the record, Your Blues was recorded in the room 2A Annex adjacent to the Studio 2 control room at EMI on the 13th of August, the week before Ringo left the group. So, sorry, Richie, that's not true either. According to Kevin Howlett's notes in the 2018 book accompanying the 50th anniversary edition release of The Beatles, it was on Tuesday, the 3rd of September, that Ringo returned to EMI Studios to find his drums bedecked in flowers. 
Ken Scott's recollections in Mark Lewison's The Complete Beatles Recording Sessions also support that it was in EMI Studio 2 that Mal Evans arranged the flowers at George's behest. It was also on the 3rd of September that Paul, not Ringo, returned from a short weekend trip to Sardinia with his secret girlfriend at the time, Maggie McGivern. The couple were seen and photographed by a fan, Cher Miller, returning to Paul's Cavendish Avenue house around 4 p.m. this day, sunburnt and happy. As the session convened on the 3rd of September, it was discovered that George Martin had unprecedentedly taken off on his own holiday in the middle of the sessions, leaving his young assistant, Chris Thomas, at the group's disposal. Now, I have reason to believe that Ringo did not wait until the 3rd of September to return to the group. I believe that he had already returned to the sessions at Trident Studios the week before. This will be the subject of the next episode of Give Me Some Truth. Join me then and my special guest, Jerry Hammock, to reinvestigate the mystery of who played drums on the recording of Dear Prudence. If you would like to submit a question or topic for a future episode, you can write to me by email to gimmesometruthpod at gmail.com or contact me on Facebook or Instagram at gimmesometruthpod. I will post visuals for each episode on these platforms. Thank you so much for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a future episode.